0: From the Lithia Body and Paint Sports Desk powered by BMW of Des Moines this is an X's and O's update on 1460
1: KXNO and I'm Trent Condon. A triple header yesterday of hoops tonight the in the state of okay. Iowa starts at you 7 o'clock in first place Drake Bulldogs Westbrook Drake looks to make it four in a row against shoot, the Bradley Braves to come in the winners of their last four and because seven of their last KD nine. The 21st ranked Iowa Hawkeyes host number 24 Maryland. The Hawkeyes a two and a half point favorite against the Terps Hear the game on 1040 WHO and at 8 o'clock the number 19 Iowa State Cyclones host Baylor ISU sits a game and a half back of K-State in the Big 12 standings last night Kansas State was on the road in Morgantown Dean Wade sets up Sneed for three there's a big shot for K-State K-State 65 West Virginia 51 the call from ESPN also in the Big 12 last night Oklahoma State upset TCU and in the Big 10 Wisconsin held off Illinois for Trice Trice driving stopping
2: finally able to hit what a tough
1: shot Badger 64, I 58, the call on FS1.
0: 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO.
2: Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back as we take you up until noon. John O'Ran, Sports Business Journal. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Zubin Mahente, bottom of the hour. Let's talk Hawks, shall we? Hawks, Terps tonight, uh, 7 o'clock tip. Big Ten Network has the TV. WHO Radio has the uh, call down the hall. Pre-game show at 6. John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com. John, Trenton, Ken, how are you?
3: I'm doing good, guys. How are you?
2: Doing all right. Where are you with this game tonight, John? This Maryland team's got a lot of pieces. A couple of really good bigs, and Fernando and Smith and Cowan can uh, run things from the point. Good team. Tough spot tonight for Iowa. It's going to be a fun one, John.
3: Yeah, it is. And Maryland is a very good defensive team. They're also a very good offensive team. I mean, they're they're one of those teams that has that profile. You know, if you, you know... Follow Ken Pomeroy and his advanced analytics. You know, they're 21st in offensive efficiency nationally and 21st in defensive efficiency nationally. And most of your national champions are typically in the top 20 in both of those. This is a team Mm. that hits threes. They are the best free throw shooting team in the Big Ten just ahead of Iowa. They are one of the best rebounding teams in the Big Ten. And if Iowa wins tonight, it would be very Impressive. And in some regards, I think just as impressive, if not more so, than the Michigan win. Um, This is a really, really good Maryland team. The most balanced team Iowa will have faced all season, with the exception of Michigan State.
1: Matchups matter. And it seems like Iowa matches up really well with Michigan in the way they play, as opposed to Maryland. One of the few teams in the country that can throw out two real bigs with Bruno Fernando, who likes to talk and jaw. And I'm sure he'll have a lot to say. Yes. Him and Garz. I'm sure, will have a couple of conversations tonight. But it's not just him. Him and Jalen Smith inside. It's a reason that I was very good against some matchups because they have the two bigs they can throw out there. Maryland can come right back with two really good bigs of their own. Difficult matchup for the Hawkeyes tonight.
3: It it is. And I don't know if you noticed this against Rutgers, but it's the first time I noticed Tyler Cook really kind of backing down. Mm. He wasn't as aggressive. Mm -hmm. Rutgers has Sequoias in the paint. (laughs) Those guys are enormous. And Rutgers was also allowed to get away with a lot of clutch, uh, clutching and grabbing on the perimeter. And um, it'll be interesting to see how aggressive Cook is if he lets the game come to him or if he tries to force things because, you know, those back, you know, the mouse in the house strategy that he has, backing guys down and going over top when he's staring at the rim hooking, hmm. it's not going to work tonight. So Iowa's half court sets really, really need to be crisp tonight. Spacing really needs to be good. You can't not go inside, but you're going to have to pick your spots and not force it. Fascinating game. Maryland's a really good basketball
2: They There's no doubt, John. If this goes Iowa's way, uh, does this, I mean, obviously it's going to help their chances immensely to that double by, Is it going to be enough by beating Maryland? They still got to play Wisconsin. I think Maryland's a better team than Wisconsin. They only get them once, and they get them at Carver-Hawkeye. This is a big, big spot, John, and can really help them once they get to Chicago.
3: Yeah, I think. I mean, if if they're going to get, if they get the double bye, it will have probably had to include a win against Maryland. Mm-hmm. If they lose this, they probably aren't. Um, if they lose this, it's not the end of the word. I think I was worst seeding right now. They're, they're three games wide in the loss column of the six of the uh, of the seventh seed. So the six seems to be as as low as they're going to go. And really, the six is not that bad um, of a seed, really. Now it'll be interesting to see if Michigan State winds up falling over to the side of the bracket that the six mm-hmm. is on. Uh, you know, without Nick Ward, they've been without Langford for a while, and I don't you know, in Michigan State without Ward. I don't think that's a bad uh, bad opportunity. But um, yeah, if they're going to get that double bye, it's got to include a win against Maryland. I, I think if they go four and two and lose at Ohio State, lose at Wisconsin, it's they're the six seed. I think still
1: six seed it's tight. Get to Saturday, something that Fran McCaffrey has yet to do in yeah. his career. and all-time in the Big Ten tournament, but we're still a ways away from that. Another component of this game tonight, mention the bigs, but Anthony Cohen, who seems like he's been there forever. He's still just a junior. It seems like he's been playing basketball for a long time. Now, Bohannon got him a couple years ago as he lit him up at Maryland in that big upset win uh, in their freshman campaign. He's quick. He's tough to guard. He can get into the gaps of that zone defense. What do you think the game plan tonight's going to be against a, a quick point guard, Anthony Cohen?
3: Well, I really think that you're going to have to play majority of zone, and you know it's really about how long you're going to stay in the man and the man to be stubborn. You know, they'll probably open man, and then we'll get to that first TV timeout, and all of us will be moaning the fact that they're in man band. Why aren't they in zone? It's you know, you switch out of multiple zones. I think as much as anything, you can't let them get comfortable. That that three quarter court trap, half court trap stuff has really worked out well for Iowa. And, and takes that 10 to 15 seconds off the clock and, and really kind of forces the other team's offense to kind of rush through things once they get in their half-court sets. But, yeah, if you've got a quick point guard that can split that zone, so then it becomes what type of zone are you going to play? Maybe uh, maybe more of your matchup 2-3 doesn't work as well tonight. Maybe you have to go more of a 1-3-1 one, one to, to try and stop that initial perimeter. With Maryland's bigs and with Iowa's um, – you know, inadequacies in man-to-man, I think a healthy dieted zone is likely on the table.
2: Well, we saw Isaiah Moss, his willingness to go in, I'll use your term, Sequoias, go in and uh, and battle those guys at Rutgers this past week, face a similar team tonight. Moss was really good in that win over Rutgers, John. Everybody's going to be talking about Camp, and rightly so, the shot that he made, the fact that they guarded Bohannon as well as they did. They're not in that spot without Isaiah Moss. Do you expect a similar game for him? He was fearless on Saturday, John.
3: I expect him to play really good minutes in the first half, and hardly any oh, no. in the second half.
2: It's matchups, uh, that's right? Just... That's why he's on the bench. That they want McCaffrey guess, and Bohannon to the two. I,
3: I guess I, you know, yeah. But I mean, it's just too long. Those mm-hmm. routes are too long. Hunter McCaffrey is a zero on offense. Yep. As far as scoring points is concerned, he's a great facilitator. Mm-hmm. Good assist guy. When I say zero, I don't mean that he doesn't have value. He's a zero from a scoring standpoint. It makes it easier to play defense, I think, when he's out there. But it does allow Jordan Bohannon to move over to the two, Mm -hmm. which can unlock some more of his scoring potential. And, my gosh, the work that he does off the screens, I mean, it reminds me of Alford um, back in the Mm -hmm. day when Indiana used to run two, three, sometimes four screens along baselines and reverse cuts to get him open and he just would nail it. I mean, that's a lot of work. And he's catching the ball after a full sprint, turning, shooting, I'm just in awe of that skill level. I think that Mosh, though, he's the only player that Iowa has on the perimeter that can attack the rim and get to the rim and close and finish. Nobody else can do that on this team, and I just think that he, you know, he probably needs more minutes than he's getting in second halves. But you know what? They're twenty and five. <laughs> yes, indeed. I'm in program history. So what do I know?
1: It's a good place to be. Well, last week when we were having our weekly conversation, John, we talked about great comebacks on the heels of the win against Northwestern. This was a buzzer beater against Rutgers. Any other in your list of great Hawkeye buzzer beaters throughout time?
3: I mean, Wade banked in three-pointer mm-hmm. in Champaign yes. is one of my all-time favorites uh, because I don't like the Illini and a number of my <laughs> friends are Illini fans. and I was with them watching the game and They still whenever they'll still bring up Wade's name here some thirty years later. It's pretty funny. So that's one of my favorites. But that that one right there for this generation of fan is is gonna be remembered for their lives. The full you know, the full court baseball pass to get it Mm. down there. You gotta start with that with McCaffrey, the baseball player, getting it down there, and then just the confluence of tips and Joe catching pivoting, shooting I don't know how it possibly could have banked in from where the angle he shot it from, especially seeing some of the videos that uh, we tweeted out that was right behind the shot. this perfect place. It's, it's an all timer. Mm-hmm. It is, it is up there with the most inconceivable shots I can ever remember Iowa making. And right afterwards, you know, Keith Murphy t- t- tweeted out, Hey, is this the greatest back to back? You know, game winners for Iowa ever. And, and I remember Luke Recker winning yep. back-to-back games in the Big Ten tournament. Yep. And I think those are probably bigger because you're, you're in a tournament setting. But, you know, these are pretty big. And, boy, is it nice to be on the winning end of those things for, <laughs> for a change.
2: No doubt. John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com. John, thank you. We will talk to you next week. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, fellas. Bye-bye. Good to talk to you. John Miller, Hawkeynation.com. Time out. We'll talk sports business with one of the best in the business. And a Maryland grad, John O'Ran, Sports Business Journal. Next, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460
0: KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more from 1460 KXNO.
2: Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. As promised, we're going to talk some sports business, and he's one of the best in the business. John O'Ran, Sports Business Journal. He's a Maryland grad. We will get to his Terps tonight as they pay a visit to Carver Hawkeye. Also just got a grad transfer in for the football program as well. Uh, John Trent Condon, Ken Miller, great to have you back. How are you, John?
0: doing great how are you
2: guys doing fine appreciate you coming on hey john uh so, so much ground to cover with you with the aaf or the AA whatever the hell it's called aaf uh let's start there apparently there was some players didn't get paid as going back into week one and a cash injection last night by the owner of the carolina hurricanes not a good sign when the bills aren't getting paid after the first week john oran what can we expect
0: uh, well, it's a very good sign today because they they have a, a big cash infusion two hundred fifty million dollars uh, invested in it, and so they the, the all the big questions about the Alliance for American Football the AAF what was was about their uh, their funding and this really shores it up in a big way and this, this means that you know they should they should at least outlast this season and that, you know the, the TV ratings have been you know okay you know not not off the charts but mm-hmm. certainly not terrible. Uh, attendance in some areas have, has been okay. Uh, in some areas, not not very good. But the, the the play on the field is generally. It looks like, as opposed to the XFL from way back when, what, it's it looks better. like football. Yep. And I think that you know that th- th- this w- this will make sure that they keep going for a while.
2: I didn't see the numbers for week two. How big of a drop off from week one was it, John?
0: Oh, a massive drop off. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's, I mean, week one was on CBS which is a broadcast station and in primetime and week 2 was on NFL network uh, but the the numbers weren't bad for NFL network i mean if you compare it, compare it to what NFL network has on its schedule um, you know they it did it did relatively well
1: John you mentioned the old XFL we'll see the reincarnation of it coming up next season what's the end game for these two leagues there's no way you would think that two spring football leagues could survive is it some combination down the road of them coming together? One just eats the other. What, what's the best end game that you could foresee in keeping at least one of these leagues alive going forward?
0: I don't know. I think that's a great question. Here's the most fascinating thing to me about these two leagues is that both of them have these big national team contracts. It just shows how popular the sport mm, of football yeah. is and how these all these TV networks really just want live programming. So the XFL is still a year away from launching, and they have, they have a deal in, in place with Fox for the broadcast network and ABC for the broadcast network. You know, the AAF was on uh, TNT over the weekend and had uh, CBS uh, uh, on broadcast, and it's going to be every week on the NFL network. These are national channels that are committed to carrying this. Uh, so could, could, could we see two exist? It's unlikely, but, boy, these, these deals make me sort of look twice at it. Mm.
2: John O'Ran, Sports Business Journal, is our guest. John, speaking of networks wanting football, apparently ABC wants back into the NFL. Uh, they want Super Bowls. If, if there is another of the networks going to get in, that would mean seemingly that one of them is going to drop out. Is CBS the most likely to go away, and how about likely is it that ABC is able to outbid them?
0: Uh, it's we're still so early. They haven't started negotiating on that. I would think that the Sunday afternoon broadcasters, CBS and Fox, are, are pretty set. Um, but if you take a look look at what ESPN pays for Monday Night Football right now, it's like two billion dollars a year. It's almost a billion dollars a year more than what NBC pays for Sunday Night Football. So that, I, I, and then you take a look at Thursday Night Football, which is going to come up for grabs. So you're, you're going to see all these packages sort of get a lot of bidders on it. Uh, and it's it's way too early to make a prediction. Nobody has any clue, but I'll I'll give you one. I, I would suggest that ESPN is going to keep Monday Night Football and, and probably put it on ABC instead of a ESPN Ooh, or some games, just in, in order so that it can get into that Super Bowl rotation.
1: Makes a lot of sense, certainly, on the business side of things. And back to where it started on Monday Night Football on ABC. Here on the local front, John, or at least regional front for us, as the AAA affiliate of the Cubs, Tons of Cubs fans here in the Des Moines market. Next season, the Cubs are going to be starting their own network called the Marquee Network. It'll carry all the games that you normally see now on NBC Sports Chicago, and uh, they have some full channels also over the air that they have. What does this mean going forward? And maybe for people outside of the Chicagoland area, we saw the Dodgers when they broke off and made their own. And distribution on cable networks has been incredibly difficult. Could we see those same kind of hiccups for the Cubs and and people here locally Get shut out of the Cubs in 2020.
0: That's that's the big question that everybody's taking a look at. This is really going to test how rabid Cub fans really are. Because the In Los Angeles, the Dodgers have been in the playoffs for the past five seasons, mm-hmm. and still they haven't been popular enough to have any of the c- cable operators in, in the city uh, buy their network and, and, and watch their games. Uh, the Cubs are making a similar bet. Uh, the, the idea is that the Cubs are have a rabid fan base that will uh, subscribe to any distributor that that, that carries this network. Um, uh, the same thing is said about for the uh, Red Sox fans in Boston. But I can tell you, it, it, last year, um, Comcast dropped the Yes Network, which carries the Yankees games in New Jersey and, and uh, Connecticut, and it stayed off for most of the season. And Comcast didn't, you know, it, it took a lot for them to sort of uh, come back to the table. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see who has the leverage in these discussions.
2: Uh, ESPN Plus, John, apparently the numbers are, are trending upward. ESPN was losing all of those cord cutters. Have they found something here with their ESPN Plus model?
0: So far, so good. And they I think they've been pretty smart about it. Uh, if you're a UFC fan, mm-hmm. you're used to paying for UFC content. They have so many pay-per-views. So all of a sudden it's just paying for $5 a month. You know, that's a magazine subscription. Uh, And then if you're a soccer fan, you have to subscribe there. If you're a boxing fan, you pretty much want to subscribe there. So they're picking up a lot of sports that, again, have rabid fan bases. That's what uh, TV networks look for now as much as anything. It's just sort of how rabid the fans fans are. And um, so there's still a lot of room for growth there, but so far so good for them. They're, They're plenty happy with where they are.
1: John, speaking of ESPN, a story from a couple of weeks back in the firing of Andan Virk. uh, A story that I think a lot of people, especially outside of the sports media realm, kind of struggle to wrap their mind around. He was talking to Awful Announcing, giving them some scoops on some things. ESPN is a news-gathering information. Without people that are going to give them for information, the chefters of the world, they wouldn't be around. Was this two-faced out of ESPN? Was what kind of message are they trying to send over there? I, I struggle with this one.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's tough because it does seem like the uh, the uh, punishment did not fit the crime yeah. on this. I think that uh, you know my read of the situation is that he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and they the ESPN has, has long been known for. It. It's helped me out in my career for, for leaks and leakers, and uh, I think that you know Jimmy Pitaro when he first met with ESPN. He had somebody uh, with the with staff there. Somebody from the staff was actually broadcasting the, his uh, his words to the big lead, the blog <laughs> who, who, who covered it. They got irritated by that, so they, they were trying. They've been trying to find these leakers. The, the next one that they sort of sort of figured uh, they found was Adman and it was just the wrong place at the wrong time. And they certainly did want to send a message. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see sort of how I know it's. The, legal, the lawyers are involved now. There's going to be a legal process, and it's going to be interesting to see sort of where this all heads out.
2: Last thing, John, Maryland, Iowa tonight, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock where you're at. The Terps come in. Uh, this is a good basketball team, Fernando and Smith and Cowan. they got some guys. It's a tough matchup for Iowa. I think the winner of this game is... Takes a big step forward to that double bye in Chicago in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Maryland playing well. How do you see this one tonight? Keeping in mind for our audience that Johnny is a Maryland grad. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: we're speaking to Iowa. Iowa's been having a, a really good season. Uh, I, I think I really like this Maryland team. They have a, a Cowan, who is a junior guard. They have a potential lottery pick in uh, Fernando. Mm-hmm. And then they have these young freshmen who are just athletic, and they run around. The problem is, Maryland has not beaten a ranked team on the road in at least six or seven years. Mm-hmm. So, so at some point, that streak has to end. I'm hoping it ends tonight, but uh, but my, my bet would be that the ranked team at home is going to beat Maryland because it's happened, but it's happened so many times.
2: Mm, you know, one of those freshmen that's not getting the credit. Maybe he is in, uh, back in the East, but Wiggins is a nice player. Yes, I think, yeah. I think uh, Big Ten fans are going to uh, soon realize that maybe this guy's not getting the credit that he deserves on this team, John.
0: I've, Big Ten fans are going to learn to hate him because he's a deadly accurate from three, and he can also drive the paint. He's uh, he, he's one of my favorite players on that team.
2: John O'Ran, Sports Business Journal. Thank you, John. Appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you. Uh, we get you probably three times a year, and we appreciate that. Thank you, John.
0: Anytime. Thanks, guys.
1: Yep, good to talk to you. Uh, that was weird. There was a little delay in there. Why is that? I wonder. I haven't. Maybe maybe he's bugged in DC. You know, I don't know. Things but are a
2: little different out there. I will take your word for it. So we <laughs> will head uh, east again with Zuba Mahente ESPN. He joins us as Miller and Condon continue. We're off tomorrow, that's why we're stacking these together. I have to move some things around. Zuba Mahente next, ESPN uh fourteen sixty KXNO.
0: Hi, it's Keith Murphy. Catch Murph and Andy. Today at 2 as we talk sports and more. Listen from your home or office with Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play 1460 KXNO on iHeartRadio.
1: Hey guys, Trent Condon here once again for New Leaf Wellness. Want to tell you, coming up this week on Thursday, it is their open house. You've been hearing me talk about New Leaf Wellness, ways that you can get in better shape, better health. New Leaf Wellness can help you out. And a free open house for you to find out more. At the open house on Thursday, free B12 injections, open house savings on NHT evaluations. They have supplements there and a whole lot more. Again, that's Thursday from 9 to 5 at New Leaf Wellness. They're located near Valley West Mall, 3930 West Town Parkway in West Des Moines. Or if you want, you can just give them a call, 650-1358 to set up your free, no obligation consultation. That's 650 1358 for New Leaf Wellness and online at NewLeafCenters.com. Thursday, it's the open house. I'll see you there at New Leaf Wellness. And don't forget to tell them that Trent sent you.
0: It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night. here on 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, welcome back. Miller and Condon,
2: Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We do have some breaking MLB news. One of the big names is off the free agent uh, market. Manny Machado is a... Padre. What? A San Diego Padre, Trent Condon. Zubin Mahente joins us. Zubin, it was your guy, one of your new additions to the staff over there. Jeff Passon does a terrific job, very well connected uh, at MLB, and he's already paying dividends as he breaks the Machado news. How are you, Zubin?
4: Doing great. Love Passon. Had a chance to work with him early on when all the Kyler Murray stuff was swirling. I would tell you, just hearing this Padres news, you know, the Padres Prior to this news, literally, Ken, what you just said, we were doing a little research as they started to get a little bit more serious. In the history of the franchise, before this Manny Machado siding, they had never once given out a $100 million contract to any player ever. <laughs> okay? hmm. I mean, this is a team that had never given out 100000000 million. We'll wait to see what the exact financials are. Maybe you have them in front of you. But this is a really course-correcting type move For an organization that has never acted this way. They do have one of the best farm systems in baseball. Patton and other guys have been saying that. I will also say, I think the guy that's bought the team, bought the team about six years ago. And in that realm, they have never gone to the playoffs under his ownership. uh, Their GM, A.J. Preller, has been uh, very aggressive. A very, very aggressive GM. Some of the moves have worked. A lot of them have not worked. Uh, But this is an interesting move. This is a move, I think, that shows that they're serious. It also shows that the market probably was. I'm sure the Padres' bid likely was not the highest. That's just my opinion. Um, but to get a guy that they've never had before financially, to break that seal, to have a nice, young farm system, uh, it's pretty good for baseball. Um, I think it's still better if Bryce Harper to end up in a really big market because I think it's best for the game. But I think this sort of player going to this sort of franchise also in some ways is pretty good for baseball.
1: Ten years, $300 million, the numbers, Trent Con. Mm, pretty good one. What does that say then, Bryce Harper? He's not getting 10 years, is he?
4: <laughs> well, it's hard to say. You know, what's interesting is I think the, the story behind the story, Trent, in my opinion, is, and you guys watch a lot more baseball than I do, but to me, the story behind the story with these two guys is the two agents. You know, I think it's just the fans want to click on stories, and I, as a fan, want to click on stories that say Harper Machado, Arenado, Trout in 2020. I mean, if you want to think about somebody getting 10 years, think about Mike Trout when he becomes a free agent after the 20. 20 season, or even a guy like Nolan Arenado who's got six gold gloves in six years and is probably in the minds of many the best players in the National League. Um, maybe those guys are worth 10. But the real story, really, to me, is Scott Boris versus Dan Lozano. So Lozano is Machado's agent, obviously, as you know, Scott Boris is uh, Bryce Harper's agent. So though, um, the market has been set up until this news that Ken just said. The market had not been met. So I think the big story now is Machado assigned. signed He's there. Opening day's about less than four weeks away. But now, can Scott Boris edge Dan Lozano? And I think, you know, the average sports fan knows Boris. I think only the hardcore fan would know Lozano's name. But if this really was getting $1 more <laughs> than Manny Machado or someone someone trying to get towards 325 of Stanton, Lozano has said it. And now it's interesting to see what Boris could do. I will say, Ken, $10 or $300 million is such an interesting number that you reel off there. Because let's be honest, that was the bid that the Nationals gave Bryce Harper. Right, So Danny yeah. 10 years, $300 million, and Bryce Harper said to so the only team he's ever known, offered him that exact amount of money, and years, by the way, and uh, he said no thanks. So we will see. That's a very interesting
2: number. Indeed, it is, and uh, will the Padres win while well, he's there remains to be seen. But he's going to be a rich man. Uh, and then we just fast forward a year, right? What's Mike Trout going to be with when his turn comes up? And some of these, uh, some of these other guys. But I want to go to college basketball. I don't know if you had a chance to watch Virginia last night. It was such a different game for them. Undisciplined, sloppy at times. DeQuitte breaking, uh, missing a, I mean, a breakaway uncontested dunk. Turnover city in that game. It was it was a bad game out of Virginia and they won by what six or eight, whatever the final number was. Um, just a, it was a different Virginia game last night. Did you see it?
4: I did. I was still I, I I sort of thought to myself when I was watching this game, you know, when we did we did Late Night Sports Center last night, and our opening line was like, Is Virginia playing Duke? No? Okay, they'll be fine. I <laughs> think basically that was the way that we look at Virginia and it was kind of a tongue in cheek statement. Um, when it's 1 o'clock in the morning, you can say weird things like that. Hmm. People are okay with this. But it's one of those things where um, I think Virginia Tech was really hampered. They, they, one of their best players um, is a guy named Justin Robinson. Yeah. And he's out. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do it that super soft, and he's great, Alexander, Walker Alexander. But we um, not be at full strength. Now, <laughs> you know, Duke is an example of a team that's not at full strength that might be able to beat Virginia and clearly has been able to do that. Um, but as evidenced by the first back, especially, um, but with Trey zones out. But I don't think a team like Virginia Tech, although I think Buzz has done a great job there, I don't think a team like Virginia Tech, if they're not fully loaded, can beat a team like Virginia. Now, they did have the home court, the second meeting of the season, but to me, uh, Virginia is just too good that if you're not at all your weapons ready to go, you're just not going to be able to defeat them unless your name is Duke or somebody of that ilk. And I just don't think Virginia Tech uh, is there? I will say I was just—I mean, Kyle Guy is just is he something? Is some sort of player. You know, I joke—we do sometimes when he do the highlights. And I—I I said this a couple different times on the air. I have to actually find the backstory about this because I can't go to the well too many times on this. But he's from Indianapolis, and I look at this guy and I'm like, how in the world did he get out of Indiana? I mean, like I—I mm-hmm. I understand playing for Tony Bennett is great. I also understand when you're a prolific three-point shooter, Virginia may not be the best match for you in terms of pace and their effort on D. But I, I want to dig in to find out why this sort of guy, he was a great high school player. It's not like he was like under the radar. He wasn't Romeo Langford, but he was a very, very good high school player in Indiana. I'm just curious to see, and I'll have to do a little research on exactly how he got out of their borders and got to Charlottesville. But he was really good, particularly the first half. That
1: Zubin, you can tell Ken is very kind, starting college basketball and not talking <laughs> about your alma mater. So I'll go there. <laughs> oh, boy. So our, our resident punch. <laughs> our Rutgers alum here, we know the perspective in the state of Iowa. Give us your perspective of what happened Saturday night.
4: Yeah, you know, it's funny. We were doing the show Saturday night, and I'm sure you like. I, I actually saw some Twitter reaction, whether it's from John Sears and a lot of Hawkeye fans mm-hmm. that were kind of watching that live. Those are really great things to, to see, and it's a reminder that Dan is short for fanatic, and that's essentially what all of us are. But, you know, I, I think the last thing I said on SportsCenter is that night after we showed everything, Saturday's a great day of college basketball, by the way. And I said, um, you know it's been a great day of college basketball when one team wins on a half-court buzzer beater. T.J. Alteberger, your old guy's there, South Dakota State mm-hmm. and North Dakota State on a half-court buzzer beater on the road in a huge game in the Summit League. And I said, hmm, Saturday, half-court buzzer beater. That's not even the best buzzer beater <laughs> of the day. A half-court buzzer beater to win a league game on the road is not the best buzzer beater of the day. I will say this; um, it may sound amazing because as, as people languish about how long it's been since Drake, and I know they're having a great year, but how long it's been since they've been in the tournament, whether it's around a decade, or whatever it is. And you know, Iowa State's little blip last year with the four wins in league play, and I was sort of falling off the map a little bit prior to this year, which has obviously been great. Rutgers, you know, Rutgers has not been. Guys, this is this is like astounding because you don't really need much to get into a field of sixty eight anymore especially when you're in a power conference and you'll get the benefit of the doubt when 4-9 and nine Oklahoma is currently in the field, according to Joe Linardi. <laughs> uh, Rutgers has not been to the NCAA tournament since 1991. And I just kind of look at their roster, and I, I was just, I was more talented. I mean, Rutgers doesn't have anybody like Camp, And, we, I mean, Wieskamp's a freshman. They don't have anybody like that. But they do have a lot of big, tall, physical players. And you would think over the course of a 20-game grinding Big Ten season, that would be enough to at least make some headway. I do think they're finally at the stage where if you go in there and you have a bad night, they could probably clip anybody in the Big Ten. It would probably have to be a near-perfect game to beat Michigan State or Michigan, and that's probably going to be there. But I think that's moving in the right direction. But that shot was just incredible, and it's just one of those things where, for Iowa, you really look at it and say, I mean, how long ago did that start in conference play team? When I saw that shot, I thought to myself, wow, they've come a long, long way from 0-3.
2: Hmm. Uh, Zuma Mahente is our guest. Zuma, I'm anxious to ask you this question, not knowing if you had a chance to bring it up. You were, uh, you were working with Jordan Cornette. You were, uh, pre and post and halftime Saturday of Iowa State, K-State. You had a busy day, uh, at ESPN on Saturday. Did, and, and, or subsequent to Saturday, did you have a chance at all to ask, uh, Jay Williams or Seth or any of the guys, uh, about the end of the Texas Tech Baylor game, when Texas Tech couple of walk ons did an alley oop and Beard really got upset and made the kid apologize to Coach Drew when they're going through the handshake line, I'm I'm curious to know if you know some of the some of the analysts there what their opinion of the end of that game was.
4: You know, it's funny we didn't have a chance to talk specifically about it just because we were probably doing something else because that was one of those games where could have been so innocuous um, that let's just say beer didn't have the reaction. I know that's why it happened. Mm-hmm. It sort of became such a big deal. But this was one of those things where you see this all the time. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of it being an alley of dunk. I just think a lot of this comes down to, to me, I, this is just my opinion. And maybe if you get a coach on it, it would be totally different. Um, and it was visceral on, on Coach beer's part. That was the thing. I think that really caught me. To me, It just says to your guys, listen. Uh, And I don't think a lot of people, you know, take into account how much those guys are putting in. It's so easy to say that, you know, they're not playing. They're just getting in there to fill out to, you know, whatever the situation is. But those guys, if you've ever been to a practice and I had an opportunity when I worked at Channel 5, we had the Larry Stacey show and then the Wade Morgan show. So we got some unfettered access practice that normally the affiliates wouldn't get uh, for the coaches show to shoot all the footage and all that. And those guys are working as hard as anyone. They really are. Those guys are working their butts off in practice. They have a lot of thank, thankless type of work that they're doing. They're setting screens. They're getting run over. They're diving for loose balls. And to me, if you get that opportunity to go into a game, and I, Ken, to me this is no different than a walk-on that gets the crowd riled up, comes in, and takes a 30-foot-three. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's an ill-advised shot. A 30-foot-three when you're a walk-on and you're up 37 points. It's sort of a silly shot to take. It probably doesn't make the other team look very good. But to me, this alley-oop dunk, yes, it was two people instead of one, and they were both walk-ons. To me, it's the same corollary. I don't mind this at all because of all the work these guys are putting in when they get into a game. I don't think the expectation should be check in here, dribble it around, and make sure you don't get a five-second call, or dribble it around before you can get a short mid-range jumper. I don't buy that. I just, with the amount of work these kids are putting in, I can't speak for the tech kids, but I've seen this, particularly at Iowa State, another Big 12 school, with the amount of effort they're putting in to get that opportunity to go in there, to just check in and have their name in the box store, is a magical thing. And then they have an opportunity to do it in front of the home fans. I love Beard. I like what he's doing there. He's taken a lot of talent. He's put Zyre Smith in the NBA. He's taken a program that's not a ton of history and made them something in this conference. They're going to have a big say in who wins this conference. As evidence put their game with Iowa State to go. are evidence by their game with Kansas on Saturday. they have a big hand in who wins this conference. But I thought it was a total overreaction.
1: Zubin from the college ranks to the pros. Saw an article, uh, Sports Business Journal, we were talking with John O'Ran just a little bit ago about the I NBA. I He was really good. Yeah, O'Ran's a great guy. And, uh, you know, the thing is, the NBA, the ratings are down this year plenty of theories out there lebron moving to the west coast and not getting that lead in with lebron playing the early game i think that's a big component of it the buzz is is it the warriors fatigue what do you see when you see these numbers being inside the business i i don't think you guys cover anything differently when you see you know a 10% drop or whatever it is but what is your what is your justification why these numbers are down
4: well i think mean, a lot of it is the lebron factor um because you got to think about it it's not just a handful of games TNT and ESPN are probably going to, this is just my opinion as a, as a fan, this is not something that I know, but I know if uh, CBS could put on every single Pac game, they would. Right. <laughs> and if Pac could put on every single Cowboys game, they would. And so I would imagine that TNT and ESPN and any local partner that the NBA would have on a regional level or those two national networks, they want to max out every single LeBron James appearance. So this isn't just a matter of, well, you know, some of these games are – you know, starting at 10.30 Eastern instead of 8 o'clock Eastern or 7.30 Eastern. I mean, you're just talking about an enormous shift in the Lakers' schedule. And we're airing games double headers on Wednesday and Friday. We're airing Saturday primetime. We're airing games on Sunday. So you're looking at four, six games a week minimum on ESPN, ABC. You're looking at four games a week on Turner. Add that up, that's 10 games a week over the course of October, November, December, January, February, March, and April. That's a lot of games. So, to, so when people say, well, it's LeBron moving, well, think about how many Laker games are shifting and think about how many Laker games that they want to air on those two networks. So even though that's one reason, I do think that's a big reason. Now, I don't think that even though Giannis is one of the biggest stars in the NBA, if the Bucs were on Wednesday night NBA or Tuesday on TNT, I don't think their number is going through the roof Because while Giannis is a great player and a generational talent, I still don't know the casual fan knows that much about it. He's been on 60 Minutes. He's been able to transcend that way. But it's just a matter of what do people really know about him. I will say one thing that Oran said that I 100% agree with, and I thought it was a great point, and this is the way TV is now shifting. I think he said to one of your answers, the sports networks love the leagues that have rabid fans? I did hear him say Mm -hmm. that. And there's no doubt in my mind that NBA fans, especially younger fans, are a big deal. I heard a stat the other day, guys. Listen to this stat. This will tell you everything you need to know about the rabid nature of NBA fans. LeBron James has 89 million people that follow him on social media. He's got like 42 million on like Twitter or Instagram. And he's got 49 million on Twitter or Instagram, whatever the breakdown is. He's got 42 and 49, 49 and 42. That number, 89 million that is more facebook or instagram than every other all-star player in the four major sports Jeez. combined. think about that for a second Jeez. now i guess if tom brady was on twitter or whatever maybe it would be different or you know if kobe was still active because he obviously has a gigantic following but you want to put crowd and harper machado like all these guys are talking about today throwing the biggest guys in football throwing Dak prescott you know, the face of America's team. I mean, you want to throw anybody you want to throw in, Alexander Ovechkin, whatever sport you want to use you throw all these guys in, add them all up, the best of the best, the all-star, and they can't match LeBron by himself. So that rabid comment that uh, the league loves uh, fans that are rabid, because in 10 years, those rabid fans are going to watch on their phone, they're going to watch on their iPad, or whatever technology there is in 10 years, they're not going to be constricted by the television. So I thought that was a great
2: point by Orton. Uh Last thing, zoom we have about a minute left. Uh, and this came up in our conversation with John as well, but I want to get your take on it because I kind of was surprised by his answer. And I guess that, you know, the 200 the quarter of a billion dollars that uh, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes just gave or just bought or just uh, his way into the AAF uh, is going to pay some bills. I mean, there there was players that didn't get paid after week one. What does that say when a new league can't pay its players after one week. I mean, what what would have happened if Tom, uh, I think his name is Durden or Dundon, didn't come along uh, and, and write this check? This league was in deep, deep water as quick as possible, Zubin.
4: I would agree with you. I would say two things. One, this is exactly how all the other leagues that uh, tried this have eventually failed. And yes, there was a quality issue, but there was also a financial issue as well. And that was the component that people have sort of ignored because as soon as they saw the quality of football was better than they expected, not great. But better than they expected, that story kind of went to the side. But every other league that has tried has failed mostly because of financial issues. I know Charlie Ebersole, the guy that co-founded the league, uh, dismissed those reports. But I would also say, uh, you know, when the league started, when the XFL started, you could come up and say, whether it's this incarnation or the previous one with Vince McMahon, you kind of know where the money's coming from. The WWE is a mass, massive organization that has made a ton of money. Hand over fist. They're a publicly traded company. They have a WWE network. Their revenue stream is obvious. Um, but when the AAF started, it's Bill Polian, Charlie Ebersole, and where's the money coming from? I'm not saying those guys haven't made money. Charlie Ebersole's father is a very wealthy, successful TV executive. Bill Polian, I'm sure, made a lot of money uh, working in the National Football League, the Hall of Fame executive. But if you're telling me Vince McMahon can put a billion dollars into the XFL, that's an arbitrary figure, I could say, okay, well, because the WWE generates that sort of money. I just don't know where the backing for the AAF came from. All we know is that the faces are Bill Polian, Charlie Ebersole, Heinz Ward, a couple of other people that you may know from a player relations slash ownership standpoint. And if you're telling me, you know, where is the money coming from and they're having monetary problems, I would probably buy it because unlike some of these other entities like NFL ownership or even the XFL within it's not quite clear where the foundational mm-hmm. money came from. CBS can't be paying an arm and a leg for this. It's on CBS Sports Network. It's on Bleacher Report Live. They don't have any other over-the-top deals. So you kind of wonder to yourself, where is the money coming from? And if you don't know the answer to that question, then it's fair to assume that they might have trouble paying that.
2: Indeed. Zubin, thanks for being flexible today. We'll talk to you uh, in one week's time. Thanks for what you do for us, Zubin. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you. Zubin Mehente, Rutgers grad. Look at you
1: piling on over there. Well, <laughs> uh, it was the elephant in the room. you got to bring it yeah, up. How often, well, outside of Zubin, do we talk to Rutgers, Grant? Uh, Zubin. Right. I think that's, he's
2: it. A, a, that's the answer. All right, so what's the answer tonight as far as your gaming is concerned? We've got Baylor, uh, a big, big double-digit dog. Is Iowa State 10 now or it's 10 and a half? It's to 10. Is yeah. it 10? And
1: some 10 and a half starting to pop up. So if you had to, will you, first of all? I jumped you, at it early. When I saw that eight and a half, I jumped on it right now. Gotcha. Away. So you laid the eight and a half. Yes.
2: And you've got Iowa State, and I think you're home free. I think I saw Chris Williams, after he saw that Hoyberg spoke to the team, said he tweeted something about Iowa State by 40. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that kind of motivator, old yeah. Hoyberg is, the mayor.
2: Uh, but I do think that uh, they look at... they. This one got away from them in, in mm-hmm. Waco. They they should have won this basketball game. And they're an undermanned Baylor team that's coming that's making their way uh to Hilton tonight. Okay, so I agree with you wholeheartedly. I would lay the points in this one. I'm anxious to know what you're going to do tonight earlier, seven o'clock tip, six o'clock pregame, ten forty
1: WHO. I was what, one and a half? Two. two? Are they two now? And it's creeping. A couple of two-and-a-halves have popped up so on the So it's moving
2: up, so they're begging yeah. for Maryland
1: money. They're looking for Maryland money. I, I want to see offshore, now that I think of it too, where the money's coming in out there. Sometimes this is a a fake move, if you will. It is a couple of people looking to come back the other side mm-hmm. of it. want to see where that money is right now. All right, clicking here, college basketball. I do have a play, though, away from the point spread. I love the over. 147 is the number. That's my favorite play. If I had to make a wager on this game, buck 47, huh? 147. Two uh, teams that can get each other in foul trouble with their bigs. Uh-huh. Cohen could be a nightmare against that Iowa uh-huh. zone. And the other part Maryland as physical as they are inside defensively, it's not a team that really gets up into No, that's you. true. You know, they'll they'll let you run your offense and if I was able to run their offense We know they're really good. Yeah, I think you're going to see points. I've seen Maryland buckle down
2: defense. Well, we'll see. We'll see. 147. I will watch that down the stretch, knowing that my partner
1: is sitting on the edge of his seat either way. 77% of the tickets are on? Maryland. The Iowa Hawkeyes. Are they really? The public is on Iowa on this one. That makes me a little bit more nervous. But uh, yeah, the over is my favorite play there. Two other plays for you. Okay. Fire away. VCU. They're laying eight against Rhode Island. Rhode Island's terrible, and Rhode Island upset them earlier this year when they played in Kingston. So, um, how, how did you find this game? I have a problem, Ken. No, I know that. But... Yes. So I guess that's long the established. Answer. Long established. And uh-huh. my other, word, I like Penn State tonight at home, two and a half against Nebraska. I mean, Cornhusker seasons. over. yeah, my Huskers beat them. Oh really? Yep, my Huskers get them. Come they're still,
2: they're still. I think they're in Shelby's first four out. We go back a year. We adopted a team because this in state team stunk. Yep. I took Nebraska and they probably promptly uh got left out. Oh, that didn't decent I mean the big town was down last year. It was. It prevented them from getting a bid. Thirteen and five, not good enough not to get good in. Good enough last year. Um so you like Penn State tonight over Nebraska who's playing a little bit better for their coach. We'll see. We're off tomorrow. Iowa State women are on the road at Oklahoma. They have a day game. Gonna be filled up with field trips. Kids making their way to see the Sooners and the Cyclones. Pregame is at 10. Uh, uh, tip is at 10.30, so Trent and I are back until Thursday. Murph and Andy coming your way at noon. That's the next local programming. Fanatics at 4. The Rush starts it all over tomorrow at 6 a.m. Enjoy the games tonight, folks. From Miller and to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.